Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. I want to open up God's Word in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, We're in this series, Seeds, Weeds, and Trees, and today I want to talk about weeds a little bit. Last week, our group's pastor, Tevin Sims, uh, delivered an incredible sermon uh, that you need to listen to. Uh, I've been a Christian for almost 20 years, and uh, I've listened to a lot of sermons during that time. Uh, I've preached a lot of sermons during that time, and uh, I think Tevin's, last week I left, I was like, that was top 10. Um, I think it's top five. Um, one of mine's in contention with you, so it's like that six, seven spot. But uh, and, uh, I tell, y'all, y'all need to listen to that message from last week. Uh, it's on the website. It's on the app. You guys can go check it out. But uh, what I love the most about what he preached is that he lives it, and, um, and it's a conviction. And so when you preach from a place of conviction, it just lands a little differently. It's like singing from a place of conviction. When you've actually lived out of fire like we just heard about, the words carry weight when you start to sing the song. Some of y'all might be here like, oh, what are they talking about a fire? What are they talking about? You'll know. You'll know one day. Like, hang in there long enough and you'll understand what it means. But Tevin preached a great word. I want to talk about a parable that uh, Jesus delivered shortly after one that's really familiar to us. Um, you've, you've heard me preach about the parable of the sower where um, Jesus stood on the Sea of Galilee, actually sat in a boat uh, in the Sea of Galilee, and he preached to thousands of people. And he told them about uh, good seed that was tossed out. And some of that seed fell on a hard path. Some fell on rocky soil. Some fell on good soil, and and Jesus says that seed is the good news. It's the gospel. Um, It's the reality that God loves you, that he sent Jesus to die for you, uh, and that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. And because he rose to life, you can have life. Like Jesus says, that's the seed. What he does here is he tells a different parable, but right after it, and he talks about the difference between wheat and weeds. Everybody say wheat and weeds. They sound similar, don't they? Don't get it twisted. There's a difference between wheat and weeds. Follow along, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. And I'm reading out of the ESV translation. Jesus put another parable before the people saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat And he went away. Get the picture here. This is a man uh, who sowed his fields with seeds of wheat. And while he was asleep, an enemy came in and sowed seeds of weeds. Y'all following? Is that confusing enough? Okay. Verse 26. So when the plants came up and they bore grain, the weeds also appeared. So the servants of the master of the house came to him and said, Master, Didn't you sow good seed in your field? Why is it that you have weeds? Anybody ever had a garden ask that question? Right, like why we got weeds if all we did was sow wheat? And Jesus responded to, all right, they said, uh, Jesus responded, the master said, well, an enemy has done this. And so the servant said, do you want us to go and gather them up? Do you want us to go and weed eat the field? But the master said, no, 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 no. Lest in the gathering of the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Just let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather up the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned. 
but gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus tells a story about wheat and weeds. This message, if you're taking notes, is titled, Watch Out for the Wheat. Watch out for the wheat. Now, Jesus is brilliant, and we know this. In fact, Jesus, in his ministry, um, they, the, the leaders, the religious leaders and those looking to accuse him, they wanted to catch Jesus saying or doing something um, so that they could arrest him and put him on trial and persecute him, prosecute him. And, and so Jesus kind of talked in code. It's actually an amazing thing. Like, yes, he, t- he talked in such a way that it perplexed the people he was listening to. They couldn't really arrest him on this because he's just telling stories. Now, if Jesus had got up and talked about the Old Testament and in public, started saying in public in front of the masses, hey, I am the Messiah, I am the Son of God. He did that to his disciples. Like he told them that like kind of one to 12. But in front of the masses, right, Jesus knows, okay, I got thousands of people here. Some of them may be here to arrest me and my time's not yet come to be arrested. I'm gonna speak in code. I'm gonna speak in parables. At one point, his disciples said, Jesus, why do you teach us in parables? And he basically tells them, look, I, I teach you this uh, so that some can't understand, but for you that won't understand, like that, this is my way of helping you understand the kingdom of God. And so they, he would tell this story and then he would explain it to him later. And in this particular passage, he talks about um, a field that has both wheat and weeds in it. And in his explanation later on, what he says is the wheat is essentially those who are part of the kingdom of God. These are followers of Jesus. We know them as Christians today. The weed would be those that aren't Christians, that aren't following Jesus, that uh, pursue evil and worldly things. And Jesus says, you either fall into one or two. There's two camps and you're, you're in one of those two camps. And I know that right there is just unpopular. You're like, no, I ain't wearing no label. I'm not wheat. I'm not weeds. Jesus would say otherwise. Jesus would say you're either for him or you're against him. And that there really is no fence, right? Because Satan owns the fence. And maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, I'm riding that fence. Well, guess what? You already picked your side. Jesus says you're wheat or you're weeds. Now, understanding that, there's a couple things I believe we need to take away from this parable as we think about the church, and I would say the state of our world right now, and how we need to respond as Christians. Those of you that are already in the room or watching online, you would go, I am wheat, right? You would go, I follow Jesus, I'm a Christian, I'm trying to live a godly life. You would be wheat. This message is predominantly for you this morning. And if you're in the room right now and you're going, I wouldn't really say that I've done that. I don't really... I wouldn't say that I'm a Christian. I don't have a relationship with God. This is all new to me. Like, maybe you can just listen to me yell at the wheat this morning. I don't know. But if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, ultimately what I would want for you to do is to leave here going, you know what? I want to step into a relationship with God. I want to pursue a life following Jesus because it changes everything. And there's a stark contrast between wheat in this passage and weeds in this passage. And for the wheat, I want you to hear me say this. What Jesus is telling us initially is that we've got to watch out for the wheat in our lives. And you go, what's the wheat? It's the church, it's the Christians, it's the godly people around you. See, in this whole series, I've talked about how how to receive the word of God, how to let it take root in our lives. What do we do when we're a Christian? How do we grow strong in our faith? And one of the ways to do that is to, one, acknowledge who you are in Christ, that you are wheat, that you are set apart, but also to take care of other people that are in that same place and not to judge other wheat. Because what I found early on in church, and I'll just be as honest as I can be with you, you're like, good, you're a pastor, you better be honest. Uh, 
I found wheat to be pretty judgmental when I first started coming to church. Like at 21 years old, when I started following Christ, I felt really judged. Anybody been there before? If you're new to Awaken, don't say that. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 felt, I felt really judged. And, I, and, I, and as I've been in church for the last 20 years, one of the things that I've had a firsthand, um, that I've been able to see firsthand is Christians get hurt by other Christians or Christians get criticized by other Christians because their sin isn't the same sin that the other one struggles with. And what I want to encourage us to do today is, as the church or as Christians, is, is not to, to criticize and condemn and judge other wheat. It's hard enough living in a world full of weeds, right? The last thing that we need is to, to feel judged by other wheat. I was doing some research uh, on wheat, and one of the things that's really interesting uh, is there's, there's six different classes, major classes of wheat, and then there's like hundreds of, of varieties. And, and all the different varieties like have different characteristics, different expressions used in different ways, but they're all categorized as, as wheat. And I started thinking about Christianity and going, okay, like, um, what exactly is wheat? Well, it's someone who believes the core doctrines of the faith, right? Like, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe Jesus was born to a Virgin Mary, we believe Jesus lived about 33 years before he died on the cross for your sins and for mine, that he was placed in a tomb, that he was raised on the third day, and he ascended back into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. That, that's the gospel. That's the core doctrines of Christianity. And if you believe that today, you're wheat. Can I just tell you, there's a lot of people that believe that and would be wheat, but their expressions of church look really different, right? Like, you could go right now, you could pick up right now and drive seven miles into downtown Charleston and go into a church that looks very different than Awaken Church. And that maybe they have like softer music. I doubt their music's louder, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, amen. They may have quieter music. They may use hymnals. There may just be an organ. There may not be any music. They may take the sacraments every week. We only do it every now and then. They may sprinkle baptism. We immerse baptism. Like the expressions may look really different, but guess what? It's still wheat. We would do really well within Christian circles to stop criticizing the different classes of wheat and just elevate wheat. You follow me? Man, I, I've just, I've heard, listen, I've, I've heard people before go, man, that, that awakened church, they keep it dark in there. Why is it so dark? I don't know. Now I do know. It's dark in here, so you can better see the stuff on camera, people at home that are worshiping. That's why we keep it dark. That was a pre-COVID decision, by the way. Okay, well, at Awaken, like, why, why they got tattoos? You know what the Bible says about tattoos? Do not scar your skin for another. No, let's not have that argument, right? You lose that argument every single time if you're wearing polyester and cotton. Uh, it's facts, it's facts. If we're gonna use that playbook, let's use it, right? Uh, or, you know, why, why, why do, you know, that, that, that denomination has, like, women preachers, and that one has men preachers, and they do this kind of music, and that kind of music, and, uh, well, what, that, that, well, if they're a Christian, why do they drink, why are they drinking? Like, you're not supposed to drink, and all these different labels, and can I just tell y'all, there's primary issues, and there's secondary issues. Like, primary is, you give me somebody that believes in the core doctrines of the faith, man, we're wheat stalks all day long. Let's not split hairs over secondary issues over here. And if you disagree with somebody, yo, I just believe one day we're going to end up in heaven. One day we're going to get to heaven. And we're going to be like, 
wait a minute, they made it in? Yeah, they made, they made it in, you know? I didn't think the Methodists were coming. We here, you know? <laughs> and nothing against Methodists. I'm just saying, we've got all these man-made denominations and divisions in our world. And I just think the kingdom of God is like, hey, you believe in Jesus and do you love Jesus and you live to Jesus? Yes, great. We'll see you in eternity, right? Let's stop splitting hairs over all this other stuff. Jesus looks out at these people on a hillside, thousands of them. And he says, look, here's the deal. There's going to be wheat. There's going to be weeds. Those that love me, they're wheat. Let them grow up. But guess what? There's also going to be weeds too. Don't try to do the job of God and go weed eat the field because in the process, you're actually going to damage the wheat. Here's what that means. I got saved in July of 2000. I'm giving my age away a little bit. 21 years old, junior at the College of Charleston. Gave my life to Jesus, y'all. Had a lot of stuff that the Lord had to deal with. And I'd like to say that in my life, it was like, boom, about face. Now I'm holy and righteous. But I struggle with language. I struggle with alcohol. I struggle with sexual temptation. And if someone would have come in weed eating the field in August or September of 2000, I wouldn't be here today. The church would do really well to stop weed eating people who may just be seedlings of wheat. God's planted something in them and they're trying hard to pursue them and they show up on a Sunday morning. The last thing they need is somebody at the door going, you can't wear that to church. Come on, bring your Sunday finest. Or hey, I saw you on Instagram Friday night, that wedding, mm-hmm. Bible says don't get drunk, mm-hmm. Or why are you still living with so-and-so? Or why are you going to so-and-so? Am I, can I, man, I could, I could blow your mind with stories of guys that are on staff now at Awaken Church who in their infancy of following Jesus still live with their girlfriend. But in discipleship over time, we discipled them to the altar of marriage, right? But if we'd have weed eaten a month or two in, guess what would have happened? They would have never taken root in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, look, don't go weed eating the field. Let the weeds grow up, let the wheat go up. And what he's saying is over time, because here's the deal, if you plant wheat, right? And the wheat and the weeds start coming up in their infancy, they look the same. All you see is green sprouts. So you could go in there and unknowingly, you could pull out a weed, but it actually might be wheat. And this is where God says, look, you're not the master. You don't own the field. So don't weed eat the field. That's my job. And as Christians, y'all, listen, we, we don't need to be in judgment of other wheat. We don't need to be the ones going, you're good. You're not good. You're good. You're not good. That was the system in place that Jesus was speaking of. The Pharisees were looking out and they were using the law to tell people, you either meet the requirements of God or you don't. And Jesus goes, look, the kingdom of God is not like that at all. Kingdom of God is in time, the fruit will tell where your faith is. In time, like, I'll know whether or not you're part of the kingdom of God or not. And God's the judge of fruit, not us. So Jesus says, look, let them grow up. This is, this is what he says, Romans chapter, four, this, Romans chapter 14, Paul's writing to a church at Rome that would be very similar like the church in our day. I want you to imagine like a large thriving church in Washington, D.C. or New York, a very influential city, right, this very uh, multiracial, multi-ethnic, that, that would have been uh, the church at Rome. And Paul writes to this church in Romans chapter 14, and this is what he says. This is, this is groundbreaking for some of you listening today because you're going, I just started coming to church. I don't necessarily agree with everything that every other Christian I know uh, seems to put out there. But this is what Paul says in Romans 14. He goes, look, for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him in but not to quarrel over opinions. 
In other words, Paul goes, look, there's no place to argue over dumb opinions. We, we, have, we have God's word, by the way. That's truth and that's fact. So if you want to have an argument about opinions over here, that's fine. But we're going to lean on the truth of God's word. And for this church, some of you are like, what's Awaken stand for? We, we let God's word be the final authority on every matter. So please don't come in with a position or a preference that doesn't line up with God's word. As for the one who's weak in the faith, welcome him in, but not to quarrel over opinions. For one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. What's Paul talking about? In, in their culture, there was meat being sacrificed to these idols, these worldly idols. And so this meat basically at the market was, you know, was being slaughtered and sold. And, and so some Christians would walk you know, to the market and go, look, man, like if, if I see like a bird laying at the market and I'm hungry and I want some meat, I'll take that thing home and grill it. And other people in the church were like, you can't do that. That was meat sacrificed to idols. And this particular Christian is like, come on, man, I didn't sacrifice the meat. I just want to eat it. You know what I'm saying? And you're all like, man, does Pastor Brandon eat birds? No, all right? But I, I didn't know what other animal to use. But they, they, they were criticizing each other based on their convictions. Let me bring it, let me bring it to modern day. This would be the equivalent of um, a church of our size and, and you going, wait a minute, I thought that person loved Jesus. Why are they drinking wine? Yeah, like, here he goes. He's going to tell us his, his position on alcohol. Here we go right now. Let me just tell you all real quick. The reason I don't drink the reason that my wife and I don't drink is because I, I'm predispositioned. I would be an alcoholic. It was a major struggle for me in college, pre-Jesus. Now that I'm following Jesus, I don't need it. And so that's why it's not a part of my life. I've got a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ that don't touch alcohol. I got a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ that do drink alcohol. And guess what? We're all going to be in eternity together. So it is not my place to roll up in a church and be like, you shouldn't do that. Because I believe it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to guide, not mine. And it's not a primary issue. Y'all follow me? So as far as I'm concerned, and that's exactly what this passage is. Paul's going, look, some of y'all are strong in the faith, and y'all can live this way. Some of y'all are weak in the faith, and you can live this way. Let's not argue over those opinions. And verse verse 3, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed both in. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? In other words, when we give our lives to Jesus and we start following God, he is our master and we serve him. And in the words of Tupac, only God can judge me now, right? (laughs) And y'all are like, oh gosh, this dude endorses Tupac. Great rapper, still alive, but I don't endorse him, okay? Uh, (laughs) Here's the thing. Here's the thing. One of the barriers, I believe, one of the barriers to Christianity, barriers to church, I think for a world watching and even for young believers coming into church, one of the barriers is the friendly fire that takes place inside the church. Christians criticizing Christians. I've heard people come into this church and say, oh man, like that church that I used to be a part of, this, this, and this happened. You'll never know what Pastor Blank did. It's like, save that. I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in, I don't don't want to be wheat criticizing wheat. You follow me? Because the weeds make it hard enough. And the interesting thing about wheat and weeds in a field is weeds actually feed off the same nutrition in the soil that the wheat do. And they contend for life and joy and happiness and fulfillment in the same way. And I think in this world, the same is true. And as we, we got to look out for one another instead of criticizing other places, right? Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to divide the kingdom of God. 
And we need to be agents of reconciliation and unity. Amen? So when you see your Methodist sister and brother at the Golden Corral, I don't know why I said that. Please don't go there, especially right now. But if you see them out at lunch on Sunday, encourage them, all right? Be uplifting. When you know somebody who's loving and following Jesus and they go to a different church, man, you're part of the church. It's one church. We're all wheat, right? And we need to spur each other on and encourage each other together. So um, Jesus says, look, look out for the wheat, watch out for the wheat. Uh, and by the way, you go, well, uh, what about me? What, you know, I was, I was talking to a couple outside after the church, after church and uh, they moved here from California. And he was like, look, you know, we, we, love, we love the fact you preach the word of God. You said some controversial things today. I was like, I know. He's like, no, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. Because I never know what's going to follow that statement. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you just, you stepped on my toes. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, well, this is what I think. I never know what's going to follow that statement. But here's what I also know. For those of you that would say you're wheat and you're following Jesus, if you expect to live a life that's set apart and you expect to live by conviction, you can also expect some criticism. It's going to come. In fact, anyone that God has ever used significantly for the kingdom of God has been criticized. But the criticism should not come from other wheat. It should come from weed. It should come from those that are ungodly and aren't following Jesus. Think about Jesus himself. When, when Mary Magdalene, what she, you know, anointed his, his feet with her perfume. And Jesus says, man, what an incredible act of worship. Who was his critic? The one person that criticized him. Judas holding the money bag, right? And Judas says, wait a minute, we could have sold all that and given the money to the poor. And Jesus looks at him and essentially he goes, you're not wheat, you're weeds. I can take criticism and you should be able to take criticism from people that don't worship the same Jesus that you do. But man, within the family, we don't wheat, let's uplift and encourage one another. Let's spur each other on towards faith. Whenever we fall, we have shortcomings, let's encourage and lift up and pray for, right? Like that, that's what Jesus is telling his people they should be like. And the second thing is this, if you're taking notes, not only do we watch out for the wheat, but we gotta weather the weeds. We gotta weather the weeds of life. Now, who said the term weather the storm? You heard that? You gotta weather the, sometimes you gotta weather the storm. Storms of life come, difficulties come. Hey, anchor the boat, tighten up the ship and just ride it out, you know? Sometimes you just gotta weather the storm. There is nothing you can do. Well, can I just tell you when it comes to weeds, you got to weather the weeds too. Because the truth is we live in a fallen world and all around us, there's weeds. There's people that don't love Jesus. There's evildoers like that. There's, there's a big difference, I think, between people who are like, you know, oblivious and don't know the gospel and aren't following Jesus and others that set out to do evil. There's sin all around us that we contend with. You know, like you already, we all have our, our different weeds. For some, it's pride, some, it's greed, some, it's jealousy, envy. Maybe you, you covet money or success. Relationally, maybe there's some sexual temptation. Maybe it's a substance or abuse addiction, right? Like everybody's weeds are a little different, but we live in a fallen world and these weeds exist. And as a believer, when you start following Jesus, you just have to make a commitment I'm going to weather my way through some of this stuff because it's hard. It's hard. Maybe I'm the only one in here that struggles with what would life be like living worldly. Anybody ever deal with that? Like, I wonder where life would be if I didn't give my life to Jesus. Like, I wonder what kind of job I would have, or what kind of money I would have, or what kind of vacations I would have, and, you know, what kind of business I would have. Does anybody's minds ever go there? I deal with that at times. And it's in those moments I have to fight and go, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to pursue worldly things. I've been called out and set apart for a purpose. Because the weeds of this life 
are there. This is what Paul said. I'll reiterate it. In, in Ephesians chapter two, Paul writes to a church. And what was happening in this church at Ephesus was these same thoughts were going on. People who had believed the gospel started following Jesus, but started drifting back to their old way of life, drifting back to a works-based religion because that made them feel really good. Paul writes to them in Ephesians 2, and I'm gonna read this out of the message translation because I love it. Paul says, look, it wasn't so long ago that uh, you were stuck in your old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live, and you filled your lungs with polluted unbelief, and then you exhaled disobedience. Look, we all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us were in the same boat. Now, it's a wonder God didn't lose his temper with us and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us and he took our sin-dead lives and he made us alive in Christ. This is what Paul says. He says, look, there was a time that we all lived that way and we all thought that way. There was a time pre-Jesus where you pursue the things of this world, the pleasures of this world, the envies of this world, and you chased hard after it. But God made you alive in Christ. So don't chase the former life. The temptation when times get tough, church, is to go after the things we thought once brought us pleasure. To go after the weeds of this life. That's ultimately what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, don't go for it. Listen, if you've ever looked out at, at other people, maybe this is just me, y'all. I'm just being so, like, this is maybe like counseling for me. I don't know, but... Uh, if you've ever looked at people and you're like, golly, I tithe so faithfully, but why is my neighborhood doesn't love Jesus going on vacation to Disney three times a year? God, let me go to Disney. Or let him wreck on the way there. Maybe I'm just evil, but why, why are the righteous suffering and the unrighteous flourishing? It's like Jeremiah chapter 12. By the way, I've never wished my neighbors getting a wreck. I feel like I need to correct that because I do encourage them to watch online. Um, <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 12. <laughs> the prophet Jeremiah was frustrated. He was frustrated because the people of God were in exile and they were suffering. And this evil empire, Babylon, was flourishing. And Jeremiah just gets honest with God. And this is what he says. He says, God, you're right and you set things right. I can never argue with that, but I do have some questions. By the way, have you ever questioned why bad things happen to godly people? Why, why do godly people suffer? Why do Christians go through struggles? Why do Christian couples lose a child? Why does a small group leader lose a job? Why do a pastor and his wife get in a wreck, leave three kids once they pass away? Why in the world do these things happen? Jeremiah says, I, I, I got some questions. Why do bad people have it so good, God? And why do con artists, con artists make it big? Seems you planted them and they put down roots. They flourished and produced fruit. They talk as if they're old friends with you, but they couldn't care less about you. Meanwhile, you know me on the inside and out. You don't let me get by with a thing. And Jeremiah goes on, he says, make them pay for the way that they live. Pay with their lives like sheep marked for slaughter. How long do I have to put up with this? In other words, Jeremiah just exposes his humanity and says, look, I'm struggling, God, because I'm trying my best to be a voice for you and live for you, but life is hard. 
I want you to know that God would rather us plead with him in these situations than run back to a life of sin. God would rather have the conversation, talk to me about how you're struggling, talk to me about what's hard, pray to me, cling to me, rather than, you know what? God, I'm out. I tried faith that didn't work. I'll go back to the bottle or I'll go back to sleeping around or I'll go back to whatever it was before Jesus that gave me fulfillment. He says, look, no, no, no. If you're wheat and you've given your life to Jesus, you got no place with the weeds, but you're gonna have to weather that storm in this life. You gotta weather the weeds. And when the difficulties come, right? You, you gotta weather your way through it. Now, here's what I found. While I'm not a farmer by any stretch of the imagination, I know that the more seeds of wheat that get cast, the more it chokes out the weeds in the field. And what I found when it comes to church is that the stalks of wheat that are more densely populated, in other words, they're in the church, they're here every Sunday, they're in a small group, they're on a team, they're surrounded by other stalks of wheat, there's less weeds in their life. I believe that's why God said those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish like the palm trees of Lebanon. What does that mean? What it means is that as you plant your life in the house of God and you grow as a stalk of wheat, those weeds will start to get filtered out of your life. And it may take time and it may be a struggle, but that's where we as a church become strong together. We help each other weather the weeds of this life together. Paul said this in Romans 12. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What's good and perfect and acceptable. When I bought our our first house, I lived in a little apartment in Spartanburg um, and I got engaged to Ashley. She agreed to marry me. And I thought, you know what? It's time for me to step up and be a man. I'm gonna buy a house. Um, my, and by the way, if you live in an apartment, you're not less of a man. I'm not saying that this was my own insecurity that, that dealt with this, but I was like, I'm gonna go find us a house. I was paying like 550 a month in rent, uh, in Spartanburg. That was not high, but I was like, I'm gonna go find a house for 550 a month. That was my first reality check in life. Uh, but I, I went out looking and I was like, you know, I'm gonna find a, a house, a fixer upper. And so I was driving through this neighborhood and I found a house that was going up for auction, had boards on the front of the, uh, the house, there was like you know, this big glass window and a big old piece of plywood. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like they must've been halfway through renovation, something happened. Um, I called the guy on the sign, the realtor, can you show me the house? Sure, we can't go inside, but I was like, cool, what happened in there? He's like, well, you know, it's, you know, it's just a little fixer upper. And long story short, it was a domestic situation. There was like, you know, drywall was all beat up and there was um, stains in the carpet, the best way I can put it. And uh, I told Ashley, I was like, hey, I'm gonna buy this house and I'll fix it up and it'll be nice. She was out of town. And she's like, okay, like you think you can get it right? I was like, yes, just trust me. Um, so I bought the house, got it right. The backyard, this is what was interesting. The backyard was like all clay and I'm a big yard guy, like landscaping yard work is therapy for me. And so I was like, I got to get this yard right. And so I spread all this grass seed because it was the most economical thing for me to do. And it was right around like, you know, early spring. So like maybe like early, early March. And about a week or two goes by and had some quick sprouts, but like the whole backyard was, was green. And I was like, man, this is good. Like yards looking good. And I walked out there and what I realized is that what was coming up actually was not grass. It was like these little weeds that had little heads on them. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, that kind of looks like grass. If I cut it really short, it'll all look green. You ever been there? So I get the mower out, put it on like one and I mow lines into it and it looked amazing. Only thing is, it was like 90% weeds. It wasn't even like grass. And I was like, you know what? Ashley won't notice. Hey, babe, we got a great yard. 
you know, cause she doesn't do yard work. And uh, so I had this perfectly lined out, like checkerboard backyard. And, and y'all, that lasted for about five or six weeks. And then what happened in May is the sun came out and it got hotter, right? The summer months start to come and all those weeds in the backyard just got scorched out and it was brown again and the yard looked terrible and it was all clay. And when I think about weathering the weeds of this life, hang with me a little bit. There's, there's a season where pursuing the things of this world will bring you a sense of grat- grat- gratification and fulfillment and they'll give you a sense of purpose. But I'm here to tell you that will not last. It will not last. One of the best things you can do is go talk to a Christian who's very successful in the business world or in the sports world or in the political world or in any career field. And just go ask them like, hey man, like what, how do you reconcile your faith with your successes in the world? Like how do you bridge the two together? And what you're going to hear them say, like especially seasoned saints that are older, like those that have been following Jesus for a while and are in their 60s and you can find somebody that's retired, that's even better. What they're going to say is, look, the things of this world pale in comparison, pale in comparison to the things of God. Like I'm thankful for what God's given me and I'm thankful for my career and I'm thankful for my successes, but life is not about that at all. And I think it would do well, especially for a lot of the young believers in the house to hear those types of things. Because the weeds of this world, the success, the money, the fame, the influence, the job, the, y'all look, that stuff is great, and it's, but it's not going to last. And it's not what gives life, and it's definitely not going to reproduce. And so what we need to understand is those of us that would call ourselves Christians, we're called out as wheat, we're not weeds, and we don't need to have anything to do with the weeds of this life. Because ultimately in the end, what Jesus tells in this parable is that the wheat wins out. Like Jesus says to him, look, don't, don't go pull the weeds out of the field. Let them grow up together. And when they grow to fulfillment together, I will come and harvest my field, right? Because it's God's field. It's not ours. Like I'll come harvest my field and I'll give this instruction. Gather up all the weeds, bind them up. They're getting burned. Gather up the wheat, stick it in the barn. And this may not be popular, but I have to say it. What Jesus is essentially saying is that this is a picture of eternity. When it's all said and done, Those who are wheat will be wrapped up and securely placed in the house of God. That's heaven. Those who do evil and have turned their backs on God and don't have a relationship with Jesus will be gathered, bundled up, and tossed into hell. That's facts, and that's Jesus' message to us. And I want to go back to what I said early on. Listen, there's there's two camps listening to me today. There's those of you who would say you're wheat and those of you who would say, I don't know. Or maybe you would go so far as to say, you know what? I'm not weed at all. I'm not following Jesus. I'm in this weeds category. Can I just help you? The church is supposed to have both. Like on any given Sunday when we sit in here in a service or you're watching online, it would be my hope that there's people in our midst that don't know Jesus yet, that have not started following Jesus yet, but that have been invited into this thing called church. And, and our responsibility as Christians is to love one another enough and encourage one another enough to where those who don't know Jesus go, man, I need to be a part of that. And they can hear the seed distributed from this platform and other places about the good news of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've heard that for the first time and you would say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to trust the gospel. The band's gonna come out and just a moment begin playing. And, and as you contemplate which camp you're in, wheat or weeds this morning, here's what I want to encourage you with. Those of you that uh, would say, you know what? I'm wheat. I'm following Jesus. 
I know that I'm a part of the kingdom of God. Start bringing somebody else into that. Like when you get in the car today to go home, I want you to think about the coworker or the neighbor or the friend or the family member and maybe just send them a text and go, hey, next Sunday, me and you, lunch afterwards or next Sunday, brunch, then the 11 o'clock. Can, can I just tell you, most people, I, I get to hear why people come to church. Most people come to church by personal invite. Most people get introduced to church or introduced to Jesus by personal invite. It's not a billboard. It's not a drive-by on 526. It's not a sticker on a car. It's word of mouth. It's you telling somebody, hey, this is what Jesus has done for me. Come be a part of this thing that's changed my life. And if you're weed here today, let me just invite you to start reaching out to some other people. If you're here today and you go, I don't know. I don't know that I would be classified as being in the kingdom. I don't know if I have a relationship with God. This morning, I'm inviting you to step into relationship with God, to recognize this morning that he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you, that there was nothing that you've done that's makes you too far gone or that you should be too ashamed of, right? That the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus on the cross covers every sin in this place and everything that you've ever done. And what he's inviting you into right now is that relationship, a love relationship that forgives you for everything you've ever done. And today you can begin following Jesus. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room and even those at home. If you're here today and you would say, I need to begin a relationship with God. Like today's the day I'm leaving my past behind and today I'm gonna start following him. I wanna embrace faith. I want a new start. I need a new beginning. I want a new purpose. When I count to three, I'm gonna ask you just to lift up your hands. And you go, that's bold. Like who's looking around? Look, nobody's looking around, but I can see. And if you're at home, you can respond by the lifted hand emoji when I get to three, but I'm gonna count to three and I'm just gonna ask you to lift up your hands. If you go today, I wanna begin a relationship with Jesus. One, two, three, just lift them up right now. I see you, amen. Anybody else? Come on, can we just celebrate what God's doing in the room this morning? Amen, amen.